Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. How do you like our new studio? This is the first time I've been in this studio, and I have to say, I think it's great. Colonel West, do you think it's great? How do uh, you like I'm it? happy to be here with you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, 2020, the year of clear vision, and this is a very nice studio. I like the fact that we can look out and see a little bit of North Texas here. We've got some bright lights. We may sweat a little, but that's okay. That's all right. You know, this is the third time you've been on the show. And this I gotta get it right eventually. So <laughs> you've I, gotta do it right. Yeah, I do it right, yeah. Well, you've done it right every time. But you know what? This time I decided. I didn't ask you, I just made a decision. Most women do. Yes. Most yeah. leaders have to do that. That's is right. that right? That's right. I made a decision that I wanted this show to be about you demand. That's southern, isn't it? That is very southern. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, Colonel West, we know you as a retired U.S. Army. We know you as an author of several books. Uh, we know you in all of the wonderfulness of, of your credentials. But I don't know if everyone knows you, and me included. I'm going to ask you just some things about who you are. Are you ready to, for this? Let's go. Let's dive deep in those waters. Let's huh? dive deep. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, I was thinking about the fact that if there's one uh, word, really two words, that to me describe you, it's change agent. Wow. Okay. Okay. You can own that because that's, I think, your brand. You, you, in everything you've ever done that we know about, that I've read about, and in knowing you have heard about, it's been about making change. And you've never been afraid of change. Well, you, you shouldn't. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things that you learn very often uh, in early in the military is that the only thing constant in life is change. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is part of evolving. That's part of growing is understanding that uh, things are going to change. You accept that. And that's what a visionary leader does. They look and see, you know, we can't stay, you know, constant. We have yeah. to be able to adapt, improvise, and uh, excel and achieve and overcome. So that's one of the critical things about, about change that I fully embrace. So where did that come from? Were you always a little kid that just made things happen differently? Where'd that come from? Well, I will tell you that truthfully, uh, I'm an introverted heart. No way. Yes, I am. Very much so. And, and my wife and daughters will tell you that uh, you can sit me in a room and I am very happy to just sit there and have complete quiet. Then how do you go out and, and do all these tours and, and talk in well, front of that, audiences? Well, that's, that's what you have to do. That's the servant side of you. Uh, because many times we are called to do things that are above and beyond what we want to do. I mean, Moses was not a great orator, and that's why he had Aaron. And one of the great things that I believe that God does, uh, God does not call the equipped. He equips the folks that he calls. And so he... Oh, say that again. That's powerful. Well, okay. You can own this. Uh, God does yeah. not call the equipped. Uh, 
-hmm. He equips those that he calls. So, you know, when I look at the type of things that I like to do in my personal life, you know, getting up in the morning at 5.30 before, you know, the traffic is out and the sun is up and go for a nice four to five mile run is because I like that peace. I like that quiet. I like that serenity. Mm. I like to be able to hear that still quiet voice. Uh, when I go motorcycle riding, you know, most times I go by myself. Because, again, I like that peace. I like that quiet. Uh, when I go scuba diving, you know, the great thing about that is that it's that serenity that mm -hmm. is down there. The only thing that you hear are, are your bubbles. And so I know <laughs> that some people are saying, well, you know, you can get one of those masks where you can talk to someone. I don't want to talk to anybody. Oh, that's funny. That's the whole point of going <laughs> yeah, scuba exactly. diving. And, and just being, you know, encompassed with the beauty of the underwater world. So, yeah, from an early age, I was, uh, you know, really much so an introverted kind of guy. I got picked on a little bit. You did? Why? Oh, yeah, because I was a little short, fat, pudgy kid. And, uh, you know, I went to the private Catholic school. I didn't initially go to the public schools. And so... And this yeah, was Atlanta? This was in Atlanta. So okay. you get picked on a little bit. So I really learned how to be, you know, tough. And, and But like I said, I'm very comfortable being in a, in a shell. When you were tough as a little kid, when you were picked on as a little kid, there's so much bullying going on now. What did your parents say to you in how to handle that? Um, my mother taught me that a man must stand for something or else he'll fall for anything. And the measure of a man is not how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you get uh, back up. And dad, you know, also told me that, you know, son, there's nothing wrong with throwing a punch sometimes. And That's what I wondered. How, yeah, when, yeah. Do you, when do you know to push back? Well, and you, how you, far can you, you give, go? You give someone that space, and, but when someone invades that space, then you have to be able to strike back. Because most times with bullies, they will continue to, like we just saw with Iran, okay? Great exactly. case in point. Most times people uh, that are bullies or even nations or leaders that are bullies, mm -hmm. you know, they will continue to pick on the folks that they perceive as weak or a weak response. But once you smack them back in the nose, then they kind of understand, all right, the game's up and uh, i got to go elsewhere. And I think that that's what you saw in our response to the killing of General Soleimani, who had been around killing Americans for quite some time, going mm -hmm. all the way back to 1983 with the Beirut barracks bombing. So that was what Dad wanted me to, to, to understand, is that you have to be measured. You have to be very calculating. You have to understand the gaps that you can go and exploit someone if they are trying to uh, overpower and to dominate you. And I also learned that, you know, those books that I was carrying, you know, those history books, those are really good for a beatdown. <laughs> Here you go. What about girls, though? You have two daughters. I got two daughters. So what do you tell them? Well, I tell them that, you know, they. I never want them to be a victim. Uh, and that's how I raised them. Mm -hmm. I raised them to understand that you have to be able to protect yourself. And you have to be able to stand your ground. I don't want anyone to see you as someone that they can, they can push over. And, uh, you know, now that they're 26 and 22, they have to go out and they have their own business dealings. They have things that they have to do. Mm -hmm. You know, dad's not going to be there when you're negotiating getting your house or your car has to get fixed or those type of things. But in, in watching me and growing up, they, they see the means by which, you know, I can uh, objectively, you know, and analyze and assess a situation and come up with the right type of response or the right type of solution. And that's what I want them to be. I want them to be critical thinkers. And I think that's one thing that, you know, my parents taught me early on is to be a critical thinker. Um, I would, uh, my task before dinner was to take a story out of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and I had to give a three to five minute summary of that story. Really? Dinner. And, At what age? 
Well, I mean, as a kid, I mean, really, I, I, I cannot print. I cannot print. I, you know, I have good uh, penmanship when it comes to writing cursive because I was writing cursive before I hit the first grade. Interesting. Yeah. So, and and really, the thing about that, I think another word that uh, my close friends will always describe is discipline. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, and and that's what you learn. I mean, when you're sitting there before you even go into first grade. And, and you're practicing, you know, the perfection of cursive, you know, between those lines. Oh, remember the dotted lines and the, and the complete line? Yeah. And, and I think that that's a very important thing to, to talk to kids and get them to understand because if they get into that sense of immediate gratification, you know, I'll just text it. I'll just hit, you know, spell check or whatever. Then they lose the discipline of being able to communicate effectively. Mm, don't you wonder if the teachers are all teaching that way, which we know they're not they're all not. teaching that way. And that goes to you now raising the girls and being a family man. Yeah, and 30 years. 30, con- congratulations. 30, yeah, I know. I, You're I, a dinosaur. That means a lost breed. Yeah, 30 years uh, <laughs> in, uh, in December, you know, we've been married. What are Okay, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. I'd be curious to ask maybe three things that you keep uppermost in your mind about being a family man. Uh, the most important thing is that your, your reputation carries. The minute, you, the minute you walk outside the door, I know that I'm on a stage. And uh, mm. as my parents raised me up to understand, and, and that's why, I mean, who I am today is because of the lessons that they inculcated in me. You know, my dad used to say, never do anything you don't want to say on the front page of the newspaper. Oh, that's great. That's and, and, really and I good. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that you, you have in the back of your head yeah. uh, with, with young people when they go out and they're doing all of these crazy things. And, you know, we did not have the, the selfie phone. That's right. <laughs> so people could immediately take pictures of oh, it and it stays gosh. out there. So, I mean, we were circumspect, I think, uh, in what we did. And that's very important in not embarrassing your folks. The, mm-hmm. the biggest beatdown I ever got from my dad was uh, as a young kid down there in, in South Georgia, Cuthbert, Georgia, Randolph County, um, and we were visiting Granddad, and I was walking back from playing with some of the local boys, and when I got home, Dad knocked me out. I mean, just laid me out. Didn't say a word. How old were you? Oh, I was probably like 10, 11, something like that, but laid me out. I mean, and then when I stood up, he explained to me why. He's furious because people had called him because they knew that I was Buck West's son, Herman West Sr. They knew I was his son, Alan. And I did not recognize and say hello, good day, hello, ma'am, sir, as I was walking past all these houses with the folks sitting on the porch. He knew that. Yeah, they got on the phone, they called him. Because, you know, and and he explained to me, I carry his reputation. Mm. So if he has a disrespectful son, that brings disrespect on him. And, and, and that is, I mean, my dad died in 1986. As a matter of fact, hmm. uh, next week will be the centennial of his birth. He was born in 1920. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom died in 1994. She mm-hmm. uh, died at 63. She had liver cancer. Mm-hmm. But even still today, I am a, a witness and a living example to them and, and who they were as, as people. And that's the other thing that I try to pass on to my daughters mm-hmm. is that you're carrying a name and you're carrying a legacy and you're carrying a reputation. And so it's important that you think about that 
you know, with all the things that you're going out and doing. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that's so important when you talk about, you know, as a leader or a change agent, whatever, I always try to tell folks that leaders take responsibility. They don't take credit. That's another really good, quick, pithy thing to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I, I too often hear people in leadership positions use first person singular. Yes. And that's not a good thing. It, it, it should, it, you know, achievements and accomplishments should always be about building up the team, building up the organization. You know, when we were in the military and, you know, you had the change of command ceremony, you're getting a new commander in, we're standing out there, we're sweating our tails off or whatever, because <laughs> most of the changes of command happen in the summer. summer. <laughs> you know, and so you got your full gear on, a helmet and everything, and you're just waiting for this new commander to come up there. And in the back of your head, you're thinking, how many times is that guy going to say, I? Oh, and what was typical? Well, I mean, you know, it depended on the person. But if you saw someone that went, you know, above five times, you know, saying I, you know, I understand if you say I am the example. Right. I am the embodiment of leisure. Mm -hmm. But when you say I am going to do, no, you know, you know, we are going to probably, you know, be doing most of that. So it's important that leaders, you know, take the responsibility, but, you know, give the credit. To, to the troops, to the employees, to the people that are really out there making your vision come to life. Right. That's that's a really good point. And it's interesting to me, too, Colonel West, in, in coaching leaders, oftentimes it's that little tiny pivot where I will hear a leader as they're talking about what they're going to, let's say, give as a, as a speech. And very often I will catch them saying, I, 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 I. And I just look at them and say, you know what? I'm just concerned that you might have eye trouble. And yes, for sir. a minute, they look at me like, what do you mean? Yeah, they don't get it. Yeah, they, they think, <laughs> whoosh. Yeah, yeah, it's like the F-16 flyby. Yeah, that's right. But, but I, I think that's another thing about, you know, how my parents raised me with humility. Humility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, because whatever I've done, it can be taken away in the twinkling of an eye. And doesn't that happen in, in real life? Sometimes people get to the top. I mean, how many leaders have we seen in all walks of life that they get to a certain point in a career, and pretty soon it is all about what they're doing? And maybe it is, but they can't do it without everybody can't else. Can't do it without somebody else. And no. then the other thing is that lots of times when people aren't in that limelight or that spotlight, then they get a sense of in, in inner irrelevance. Mm -hmm. And they try to force themselves into a limelight or spotlight. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I think Clint Eastwood said, I believe it's in the movie Outlaw Josie Wales, a man's got to know his limitations. Uh -huh. You know, there comes a point in time when you have to say, you know, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I've, I've run the race, as Paul would say. Uh, and, and it's time for me to step aside. But so often people don't want to do that. They just have to stay in that limelight. And it's important to, to be able to say it's time for someone else mm -hmm. to step up. And so another one of the things that I always keep in the back of my mind is who am I developing to be a next generation of great leader? Now, let me give you a case in point. Mm -hmm. um, this past Christmas, you know, we went down to South Georgia to spend time with my older brother for Christmas and took the family around South Georgia, let them see all the different places where I grew up, and uh, got the opportunity to go to Fort Benning. And I went to Fort Benning because one of the commanding generals there at Fort Benning was one of my cadets. Oh, that I really? In college. That had to be a great feeling. Well, it, it is, and that's how it should be. Uh -huh. Because here I was, you know, I only made it to Lieutenant Colonel. Only. 
But the fact, well, seriously, I only made it to the lieutenant colonel. But the fact that now I'm sitting with a young man that is a one-star general, mm -hmm. that, that, that's what you should want in life. That's what you should want for your children. Mm -hmm. That is what you should want uh, in all the people that come around you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to be a change agent, then you should be a change agent not for your life, but for others and for their lives. Very true. That's called servant leadership. That's what it's about. I want to get back to you, the man. Okay. So I've got some questions yes, here. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, who do you look to? So many people look to you and leaders like you who, who are making a difference in walking the talk and staying authentic. But who do you look to when you want counsel? Well, I, I go to the Bible. I pray. Uh, I think that that's the, the greatest leadership book ever written is the Bible. Everything that you could ever confront, there is a solution in the Bible. I, I, I'm wholeheartedly serious about that. Uh, my dad was, was a true and real role model, you know, for me. Um, and then, of course, you know, with, with, with Angela, I mean, she'll tell you I'm a hard-headed guy because I'm from down south. That's just how we're raised down south. We're hard-headed fellows. But, you know, I, I appreciate so much her wisdom and her counsel and her mm -hmm. intellect. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, when Daddy told me, you know, boy, don't always worry about, you know, beauty, worry about brains. Uh, you got both. I, I, get, I hit the jackpot. You did. I, I, absolutely. You know, with someone, an uh, MBA and a PhD. And so I just work hard and make money. I just give it to her, and, and, and she grows it. <laughs> And, and so having a woman that is truly a Proverbs 31 woman, mm -hmm. and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, verses 10 through the end of that, uh, that chapter, it really talks about the virtuous woman. So I think that's very important that we have partners that are, are virtuous and partners that can tell us what we need to hear. Uh, and, and Angela's very good at that is sometimes, she? you know, telling me what, what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. When does she do that the most? Uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> is there one thing that kind of grits on her maybe that she'll gig you well, about? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, Angela can sometimes not be the most neat person. And that kind of grinds on me because I'm a very structured, disciplined person. Uh -huh. uh, but yet in the midst of the chaos and, and all the things are, I mean, she can be very precise in, in her thinking and her analysis and her assessments. So uh, she's a quick study on things. And, and uh, because being a financial advisor, I mean, she has a highly analytical mind. Mm -hmm. So that's what I appreciate about her often. So I will tell you there are many times that, you know, in combat, you don't have time to deliberate. No. <laughs> No. So I'm a very direct and forthright thinker, and, you know, I can try to quickly process information and make a decision. Angela's a little bit more deliberative about things. And, you know, it's that, was it, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, Venus or whatever. Right. And so, you know, she's sitting there, and she's talking to me, and she wants to hear my feelings about it. And I'm just like, after five minutes, we'll just do this. <laughs> You know, Boom. But, yeah, well, she's like, I'm not looking for you to make a decision. I just want to, you know, share my feelings with it. And so that's where we still got that <laughs> other thing. Where, you know, you're bringing me problems, and I'm, you know, trying to give a solution, yeah. and I'm processing it. So That's what makes a great marriage, though. I think opposites do attract. Well, and, and that's, what, that's what gives you some gray hair sometimes. That's right. <laughs> Mine's hidden. Your show's. Yeah. What 
What about the girls? Are they like you or like her or both? Uh, I think Aubrey, our oldest, who is 26, is more so like me. Very direct. Uh, she has a low tolerance for stupidity. Uh, Austin is a little bit more uh, feeling oriented, very, very emotional. Uh, but when she does decide that she's had enough, I mean, much like Angela, uh, with that Jamaican uh, anger, yeah, yeah, get out of the way. <laughs> That's great. And they're grown and doing their own thing. Yeah, what are they yeah. doing now? Uh, Aubrey is uh, you know, a physician assistant. She works with Methodist Hospital in South Dallas. Mm -hmm. And uh, Austin is uh, a software uh, sales consultant just right back over here in Addison. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Two completely opposite. Two completely opposite. Uh, Austin opposite. really likes the technology thing and likes you know, the gadgetry and everything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Aubrey really likes to serve people. That's, that's why she loves the medical field. And they're both being successful. And, of course, they yeah, have the parents payroll. that are making sure of it. Yeah. Is there anything that just really stresses you or is a trigger for you? Yeah. Uh, when, when you are speaking out against my God and my country, I'm just wired that way. And uh, I get really upset when people don't understand our Judeo-Christian faith heritage and how important it is in the fabric of these United States of America. And I get upset when people don't understand uh, the greatness of the United States of America. Um, I was really, really angry about the response from some people uh, to the killing of the Iranian coups force leader, uh, Qasem Soleimani. I know soldiers that have mm -hmm. lost limbs because of the explosive force penetrators. Um, you can go back to, like I say, 1983 with the Beirut, Beirut barracks bombing. Uh, I've met Marines that lost friends in that 1983 bombing, tied to Hezbollah, to Iran, back to him. Mm. So Those are facts. Those, those are facts. Those are facts. Yeah, those are facts. And mm -hmm. so I... Um, you know, when I present facts and uh, people don't want to accept facts, I have a very non-negotiating uh, type of, uh, I don't know, demeanor. You know, uh, Colonel, you've, you've said two things about, about this, and I want to go back to your faith for a minute because <clears throat> experience. So you've become so adamant about the military uh, discipline and, and all the things you really experienced, everything we experience, we can become much more adamant about what that experience teaches us. When it comes to saying something about your God, my question to you is very forthright, and that is, so how did you and when did you come to such a deep, strong sense of who God is in your life? Well, your parents always instill that in you uh, growing up. Uh, you know, it was, it was non-negotiable that, you know, Wednesday was Bible study and there was children's Bible study. Uh, you also had youth choir. You're going to be in the choir even though you couldn't sing. You're going to be in the choir. Uh, Sunday morning, you woke up, you did your chores, and you went off to uh, Bible school. So you grew up in the faith. Absolutely. Grew up in the faith, uh, Fort Street United Methodist Church. But the thing was, when I was dropped off as a freshman at University of Tennessee in 1979, I had to make that decision myself because That's faith is an individual responsibility. It's not a collective thing. My mother yeah. and father can't pray uh, my soul into heaven. So January 1980, as a freshman, I made that decision for myself. And so as you grow and you start to understand secular humanism 
And as you grow and understand that there are some people, and, and look, if, if you are an atheist, if you're agnostic, that's fine. You know, you have to come within your own to, to make those decisions in, in, in your life. But when you are actively pursuing an ideological agenda that wants to undermine the, the first liberty, the first freedom that we have in our Constitution, our Bill of Rights is the freedom of religion and free exercise thereof, then we're going to have a discussion. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when I believe you across the line. When I see a person like Jack Phillips, the baker from Colorado, who said, I will do anything you want, provide any service you want, but because of my faith, I don't want to provide a cake for your same-sex wedding. When I see a system, a court system, that goes after him and tries to his, destroy him and destroy his business to the point where he has to go before the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, <laughs> because of his faith, then I got a problem with that. You feel very strongly about that, and that's what I think is so amazing about demand. You are at a point now in your career where you're launching out into something that's really big. Well, I want you to talk about how did you make the decision. You tell us, what are you doing now, and how did you come to do this? Well, you know, so many people have always said, you know, we, we want to see you back in that leadership position in, in the political realm. Uh, and you'd gotten out of it yeah, because I've been of out why? For 10 years. why? Uh, well, I mean, I understand how ugly and backbiting and backstabbing it is. Uh, and I just don't have, like I said, I have a very low tolerance level for ignorance and incompetence and stupidity. <laughs> and and those, now you're back in it. Well, but see, I'm trying to get back in it, as you said, to be a change agent. Okay. Not for myself, which I could have, you know, decided to run for Congress again or maybe run for Senate, but to run as chairman of the Republican Party of Texas means what I'm trying to do is set a standard, set a condition, uh, be an example of principles and values, uh, constitutional conservatism, which is the foundation of our great nation, mm -hmm. uh, to help you know, train, resource, recruit you know, the next generation of young constitutional conservative leaders for Texas and for this country. So it is not about me. It is about the ability to maybe one day, as I just had in, uh, over Christmas, to look at a young person that is now a brigadier general, mm -hmm. something that I will never be in my life. And it's just the same, I think, as you know, Paul, when he looked at all of the young men and women that he ministered to, you know, wrote letters to Timothy and whomever, that he enabled them to continue on to preach into that gospel. So that's what I'm seeking to do in, in this new position. And when you talk about you know, me, there are a couple of scriptures, uh, you know, Joshua 1, Five, five through nine, but especially verse nine. You know, be strong and of good courage, for Lord that God shall never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, Isaiah fifty four seventeen. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For that's the heritage of those who love the Lord, called according to His purpose. So that's why I'm willing, you know, to charge into the uh, into the maelstrom, because I believe that um, you know I should not be fearful. Well, you're doing it for the right reasons, and more people that uh, rise to those occasions, especially in our politics, and I know some as well as mm -hmm. you, who are really doing it because they're trying to make a difference. And I think that's what good leaders are doing, and, too. And it comes back to this. 
folks. <laughs> Come to this, doing it right. Yeah. That's all we're asking. That's all we're asking, asking people to do it right, do it not for themselves, but for something that is greater than themselves. Yeah. For this incredible nation, for this incredible God that we serve that has given us the blessings of this nation so that there's some little boy, little girl in some faraway country that wants to one day live and enjoy the freedoms and liberties that we have here. Maybe we set the conditions for that to be possible, as well as ensuring that the dreams of our children and our grandchildren can be achieved here. Mm-hmm. That's something we all want in this country, isn't it? That's it. I think so. Well, you know, as always, it's taken, uh, it goes too fast. There's so many other things. But I just want to thank you for allowing me to kind of dig down a little bit more into just who you are. Because you are out there. You're out there on, excuse me, uh, talk shows. You're on, you were on Levine's show. You're a Fox News contributor. You're an expert in so many things. And you have the exposure that could to some people cause someone to have a little ego and I've never in the time I've known you which is what maybe two years I've never seen one ounce of anything except to the point humility and deep deep caring and You, you know what ego stands for right no tell me I learned this early on okay ego stands for edging God out you know I've never heard that that's really that's your good. song. That's really good. I and learned something from you. That's why I don't want to have an ego. Could we just give a little bit of, uh, uh, I don't know, some a vial that has a little of all of your integrity and push think, it out when it's I, needed? I, I think that's against the law. You know, cloning <laughs> and all this. I think it of. is too. But, but again, that's why you have to be an example, and that's why. If I'm to be a change agent, I want to be a change agent for all the things that are good, right, and true, honest, integrity, and character. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a perfect person. I'm just a you know, center saved by grace, uh, but there before the grace of I, I mean, go I. Yeah. Well, we hope you just keep going I, and we hope that you get all of the things that you're wanting to accomplish done, Colonel. I'm just going to uh, leave with a thought that I had about taking this into any kind of life situation and particularly in business, which is the place I live, which is, I believe so strongly, Colonel West, that companies don't improve until people improve. I've actually got that as a tagline Mm -hmm. from the beginning on my website, and that's um, more than 25 years ago, and it's still true today. And that's kind of what you're saying. If leaders would just understand that if their people do well, they'll do well. They're not going to do well if their people don't do well. I had someone ask me the other day, Valerie, what do you do in leadership? And I came to an answer, and it was so simple I couldn't believe it. And here it is. I just teach them to do it right. It's just that simple. It is. Isn't it? uh, Brigadier General Jeffrey Miller, uh, one of my commanders at Fort Bragg, said, leaders know what right looks like. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Thank you so much Thank again you, for being on the Always. show. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. I don't know. We may have to have you come back oh, again. Man. He's just becoming a regular. I think we'll do a show together and have another guest. Wouldn't that be fun? That's all the time we have for now. Now, this is a live show, so you know that comments really make a difference. We look at every single one of them. We answer them. So if you have a question, if you have a comment, if you want to make a statement that you believe strongly in, please put it in the comments. 
And if you have friends that you think this show might be uh, influential and impactful for, would you just send it on, share it, subscribe, and in the meantime, stay authentic. Until next time, we'll have another wonderful guest. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.